<laughs> I've been fiddling about for a little while with it. Oh, there we go. Can you hear me? That's brilliant. Thank you. Wow. That was a really good worship time. Um, yeah. Ooh, hello. Bit of an echo over there. Um, I don't know about you, but as I've been um, worshipping just over there, um, I was very aware of the angelic, and, and it, I could feel something. I don't know um, where they are particularly, but um, I don't see them, but I feel them. And, and it went crazy in here when we started worshipping. And, uh, and then, yeah, so I, I think um, as I speak this morning, um, Brian's asked me to speak about the kingdom. And it's one of those subjects where um, you all have your own interpretation of it, I guess. And we all come at it from different angles because of our own life experience. And I'm coming at it from my perspective, having been in this church for quite a while now, um, and from what Brian's taught on it, but also from my own personal um, reading of the Bible as well. Um, Over the past, how long is it now? Four and a half months, um, Joseph and I, my eldest, we've been reading a a Bible reading every day. Um, We've been going through the Gospels. We're almost at the end of John now. Um, we're on day 110, 112, something like that. Every night we read a different chapter, so we're, we've gone right through. So um, I'm speaking this morning out of that experience as well, having just got to that point. Um, so I'm going to start off, though, with uh, a slightly different angle, so forgive me if I um, go in a bit slowly here. First of all, um, I wanted to come from the angle of boasting. Um, a lot of Bible stuff that I've been reading recently uh, with Paul... Uh, he says a lot of things that like this. Um, I will not boast in what I can do, but in what he can do. And in what Jesus can do. And he says that over and over again throughout his letters. And it's something that has um, been resonating with me recently. I don't know if you uh, have ever boasted and then come a cropper. I know I have. Um, <laughs> many times. Uh, you know, pride comes before a fall, they say. Um, I remember as a teenager... Um, when my dream of being a fighter pilot ended. And uh, I don't know how old I would have been, probably 15 or 16 probably. I thought I, thought I was going to be the next Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Um, and that's what I told everybody, really. I, you know, I was in the Air Training Corps. We thought we were it. Um, the Air Cadets. And I used to look after my uniform and turn up on parade nights and march about. And I got promoted up. Um, and I thought, I'm going to be a pilot. That's what I wanted to do. We all wanted to be pilots, to be honest, apart from one. He just wanted to be a soldier and kill people. He was a bit weird. Um, But, you know, I just wanted to be a pilot. And uh, he had some anger issues. So I told everyone, when I grow up, I'm going to go into the RAF and I'm going to fly those tornadoes. You know, you see these jets going around. I said, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, we used to go on these air experience flights. And we used to go on these little things called chipmunks. I don't know if you've ever heard of the de Havilland chipmunk. They're amazing little things. They sound really tiny, don't they? But they're quite powerful. And there were two-seaters, one, one behind the other. And on this particular day, um, we were at RAF Newton in Nottinghamshire, which was a grass airstrip, actually, at the time. It was quite bumpy. And uh, the job was, um, wait your turn, have the safety briefing, um, get your parachute on, which was crippling. <laughs> used to walk like that when you had your parachute on. And then you waddle out to the plane when it's your turn, get in, and you have about half an hour flying around the clouds with an ex-RAF pilot. All the old boys, basically. So it got to my turn just after lunch. I've been waiting since 9 o'clock in the morning, about four hours. I'd just had my lunch. I'd had a Mars bar. I had a, a K1 
can of Pepsi. Someone shook it up, you know. Had a banana and some sandwiches. And I thought, oh, I won't be up there for ages yet. And then he went, Flanagan, you're next. I went, oh, no. I was like, can I just go to the toilet? So I got my parachute off, went to the toilet, parachute back on again. Um, waddled out to the aeroplane in the Aguette. And the man says, right, what are we going to do today? Because they all speak like that, RF pilots. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> yeah, Hello. So <laughs> they do. It's, it's trained into them. He says, right, what are we going to do? And I said, oh, I'd quite like to do aerobatics, because that's what you do if you're cool. You, you go, I want to do loop-de-loop, stall turn, barrel roll, uh, and you'd list the ones you want to do. Because oh, you've been looking in the books, and like, this is what I want to do. And I'll show all my mates how great I am when I actually pull off one of these tricks. Um, yeah, so we went up, bumpy airstrip, up we go. And by that point, I'm already feeling a little bit queasy. The Pepsi's going... Burr, 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 burr. And I'm thinking, this isn't good. Oh, I'll be all right. I'll be a fighter pilot one day. I've got a stomach of iron. So we get up to about 4,000, 5,000 feet, cloud-based. Up we go. He says, right, you have control. Let's start off with a, a loop the loop. So I knew what to do. I'd done a few before. I thought I can, I can. he would do the throttle and I would do everything else. And as soon as I started to do any aerobatics, my stomach went. And I knew that I was going to be sick at some point in the next 20 minutes. I didn't tell him. Um, I was a bit embarrassed. So they always gave you a sick bag to put up your sleeve. Yeah, just in case, it's like that. You probably won't need it, because none of us would admit to it. Um, and I was hanging in there, and he said, have you had enough yet? Yes. <laughs> uh, should we head back? Yes. <laughs> and he said, are you okay? Uh, well, I, I feel a bit sick, sir. We had to call him, sir. Okay, well, um, try he, he was got a bit nervous then, because <laughs> he's in front. <laughs> so, he's got his little helmet on, you know, his little leather helmet, and his head is about there. <laughs> And it's the smell of the leather off the hat as well. You know, I'm thinking, oh, yeah. any minute I must have gone green. And he, he was going, you're not, not going to do it now, are you? So, so, so sure enough, I couldn't hang on much longer. And um, as we came into land, the bag came out and I filled it. And, um, and his reaction was classic. His reaction was brilliant. He just said, oh, you've done it, haven't you? So, uh, I could just imagine him when he said goodbye to his wife that morning. Um, oh, yeah, it's another day of air experience, but it's probably lovely. You know, nice day for it. And uh, let's hope none of the little idiots pukes up. <laughs> so I did. Um, yeah, and I remember getting back to the, um, the hut where we were dispatched from and carrying my little bag. Because <laughs> you you're not going to leave it on the plane, are you? And I was like, I walked in and they went, ah! <laughs> and that was the end of my fighter pilot dream. Uh, <laughs> I went down different avenues. So there you go, um, boasting comes before a fall, and it certainly did in my case, and many times since. Um, and I've, I've learned to be humbled gracefully. Um, it's something you learn, isn't it, guys, as you get older, when, when you fall flat on your face and face plant, you just go, <laughs> laugh it off. <laughs> Slightly embarrassing. Um, yes, yeah, so let's move on. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Has anyone heard of this guy? He's called Rich Froning. I stumbled across this fellow this week um, at work, teaching GCSE PE. And I was looking for um, some resources on fitness. And I just typed in, just into Google, the fittest man in the world. See what comes up. Dangerous thing to do, that. And this is what came up. This guy, Rich Froning, is um, officially the world's fittest man or the fittest man on the planet. Um, For the last two years, he's been the world CrossFit champion. CrossFit is a type of training without, um, without any of the traditional forms of training. You just climb ropes 
you pull yourself up on gymnastics rings and do things like that, and you deadlift. Lifting incredibly huge weights, and it's a new fashion in, in training. Rich is um, he's from Tennessee, and uh, this is his book, which is coming out in July. It's called First. It says what it takes to win. The reason it caught me was um, as I got more into the story and into the video of him, I realized that he's a sold-out born-again Christian. And I could tell that. The only reason I could tell was that up his right-hand side, you may notice the tattoo that he has up his torso, which is Galatians 6.14. The story behind this is brilliant. In 2010, he was in the CrossFit Open, the final. And he he was quite a proud man. He was confident he was going to win, and he used to climb ropes without his legs. Um, he used to climb just with his hands, 18 feet up, touch the top, down you go, five times. And he used to do that without using his legs, and the other guy was using his legs in the final. And he was going quicker than Rich. And Rich, um, being quite aggravated by the fact that he wasn't winning for once, fell off the rope at the top and hit the ground with a thud. Um, I don't think he broke anything, because he's quite a solid thing. <laughs> he's quite a solid object, Rich, but... Um, He was extremely embarrassed and lost, and he was gutted that he'd lost. And he went away, and he fell to his knees, and he repented to God of his pride. And he came back a year later, and since then he's been winning it. And he uses his legs. (laughs) He's been humbled. Um, And interestingly, Galatians 6.14 says this, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. So I went with that to my lesson and taught the lesson. The kids were blown away by him. And um, didn't mention about the Christianity side of it because that's a little bit controversial in schools. And I thought, if they ask, I'll tell them, but if they don't, I'll leave it another day. But one of my colleagues does CrossFit. And he's um, someone I've been trying to witness to as a Christian for a few years now, since he, um, they first had children, had miscarriages and things. So I managed to get an arm around him and say, you know, I'm praying for you. And as a non-Christian, he took it really well. I thought, oh, there's something there. And I mentioned this guy to him the other day, and his eyes lit up. And he said, Rich Froning, you know Rich Froning? I said, yeah, I've just been reading about him. He's got a book coming out. So, oh, yeah, he's amazing. He's religious, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I took my opportunity. And I, I said, yeah, have you seen the tattoo on his side? Said, yeah, it's, what is it? He said, Galatians, Galatians 6.14. And I told him, I quoted it because I'd just read it. I'd memorized it all straight away. I said, yeah, I will not boast except in Jesus Christ crucified. I said, isn't that awesome? He said, yeah, it is. He said, I'm looking at that myself. And we just had this amazing conversation. I work side by side with this guy every day. And I'm really praying now. He's quite from a Catholic background. And I'm really praying that one day he'll come along here and actually you'll meet him. He's a super fit person as well. Quite <laughs> intimidating to be around. <laughs> Paul also states in 2 Corinthians... 10, another one of these. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it's not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. So there's an encouragement for you. Rich Froning is bringing the gospel to millions of people in his own little way. So um, we're going to move on a little bit and talk about boasting in Jesus. And this is the angle I'm coming at from the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is actually in you when you're a Christian. And Jesus, throughout the Gospels, when people said to him, when will we see the kingdom, Jesus? If you're the Messiah, when are you going to do it? When are we going to see it? When are we going to see the revolution? When are we going to see the Romans sent packing? When are we going to see the glorious leader arise? And he said, you're looking at him. 
and then he'd wash their feet. (laughs) And they were confused, and they didn't quite understand what was going on. We had the benefit of hindsight and being able to actually um, see a bit more from their experience. I want to take you to John, John 12. It's one we read recently. And we're going to jump straight in at verse 44. It's an odd place to jump in because there's a lot going on before it. But we'll go back over that in a minute. So in John 12, 44, Jesus cries out. And I'm conscious of the PA, so I'm not going to cry out too loud. But at this point, Jesus is agitated, he's frustrated, and he's upset. And he cries out to the people. He cries out, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Did you get that? It's amazing, isn't it? He wasn't judging anyone. He could have done, but he wasn't. He was just walking around going, be saved. (laughs) That's incredible. 48 says, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And he was shouting this as loud as he could. Why? Well, he just entered Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. It's not exactly regal, is it? So again, it was upside down. Everyone was going, what's he doing? Why is he riding on a donkey when he should be on something regal? He should be on the greatest horse in the land. He was doing everything wrong. Before that, he just raised Lazarus from the dead. And Lazarus was now walking around telling people. People were getting quite upset about that. The Jewish um, high priests were, were plotting to kill Lazarus again. Um, to re-kill him. <laughs> because he was um, causing many people to follow Jesus. From walking around going, I was dead and I'm actually alive now. It's amazing. <laughs> and people were going, Really? Yeah, you were. I remember your funeral. And, and hundreds of people were becoming Christians, if you like, followers of the way, um, because of him. So they were trying to kill Lazarus, and it was getting really upsetting for Jesus. Lazarus was a close friend. People from Greece came looking for Jesus. This was the first time the Gentiles, really, people from outside the Jewish culture, came looking for him. They'd heard about this man. And it's interesting to see Jesus' reaction when the Greeks come along. He says, he says a few words to them, and then he withdraws. It's almost like he knows that that's the trigger, that this is now my time. His heart was broken because his people didn't believe. And he cried out those powerful words. In Hebrews 4, 12, it says, um, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, Jesus knew that he was the only way to reach the Father. And he was trying to communicate that to his own people, his own flesh and blood. And they were rejecting it in large numbers because of the way he behaved. And it was incredibly heartbreaking for him and sorrowful. So he spoke out of sorrow because he cared. Back in um, 
verse 27 to 32, the father had even spoken audibly out of the sky in the presence of many people. Um, Let's go to it. Verse 27 in John 12. Just back a little bit. And Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. (laughs) The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. That would be frightening. But it happened. It was written down because it happened. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he was talking about his death when he got raised up on the cross. So what's this got to do with the kingdom? Well, that's the kingdom coming to earth. That's the kingdom. When he was raised up, that was ignition. He'd been demonstrating the kingdom as he walked around. But when the, when the cross was raised up, it kicked off. And he knew it was coming. And he saw that glorious day when the Father would be glorified. But he had to suffer it first. And I'll come back to that later, about the suffering. Still, they didn't believe, even after the voice. Some of them did. One of them who did was Lydia. Um, my daughter reminded me of this the other day. My daughter's called Lydia, for those who don't know. Um, I was telling her about what I was preparing the other night. She said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm preparing a talk. And I said, she said, what's it about? I said, well, it's about Jesus. Because she's seven, you see. And if you get too complicated, she goes, what? So I just said, it's about Jesus. She went, oh. And I said, it's about how some people don't believe in Jesus and some people do. And, and she said, oh, yeah. Lydia believed in Jesus, didn't she? I said, yes, she did. So I put it in. So... <laughs> So Acts 16, 11 to 15 is the story of Lydia. Listen to this. So setting sail, this is where, oh, obviously Paul writing this, um, or Luke, whoever, whoever you think wrote it, but basically this is the adventures of Paul and his friends after the church started. So it gets a bit dramatic. It's more like a story. Setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. Thank you very much. Useful. We remained in this city some days, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. In other words, she was a good Jew. She used to go to the temple and pray. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, cut a long story short, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And it's recorded there because she must have been a woman of significance. The fact that she responded was significant. The fact that um, her heart was open. And I love the way they describe it. The Lord opened her heart. You see, the kingdom increases all the time. The kingdom is increasing now. It's been increasing since those times and we get to join in and that's what this is about this is what speaking out is about about boasting in jesus is about great way of evangelizing is to boast about what god's done for you it really is it's probably the best way because it gets people's attention 
Um, just by the way, you might want to uh, have a look at 1 John chapter 4 as well. I'm not going to go through it now, I'm conscious of time, but um, it basically says that out of the love that we have received, we have an obligation to share it with others. That if God has loved us and we love God, then we owe it to our brothers and sisters who are our neighbors to share it with them. It's not an obligation in the sense that go and do it. It's, it's more of a, it comes out of your heart. When you're in love with someone, you want to tell people about it. And when you're in love with God, it comes out. And you share it with people because it's exciting. Okay, so this is what God does. He opens hearts. Sometimes he does that through circumstances. And sometimes he does it through uh, miracles. So we're going to look at three different types of people. And up on the screen is the first one. Um, that you might come across this week, I'm going to stay away from that speaker, um, who you may come across on a daily basis and how we can communicate with them. Before we do that, is it okay to watch the video? Um, if, that, if you just get that ready. The, the three groups of people I'm going to go through are the open, the questioning, and the ones who've rejected God. So we'll watch this video first. It's brilliant. Hopefully we can get it lined up. There we go. Decision to another. 
James, who was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an unknown joy in Lisa, who learned Jesus and Kim. like that video because it shows you the impact of the seeds that you sow. I was a bit like her in university. I was the odd one out. So were many of you, I'm sure. When all my friends went out on the town getting completely hammered and coming home with traffic cones on their heads, I was not doing that because I was the sensible boy who honored his mother by not doing that and who um, behaved himself and stayed in at night. And I got a lot of ribbing for that. I got a lot of, um, I wouldn't say I was persecuted, but I got a lot of, you know, mickey taking for that sort of thing. And that went on for years. And eventually they got used to me. And I just became known as the vicar. <laughs> as you do in, these, in this culture, you have to have a nickname. So that was what they called me. Oh, it's the vicar. Flanagan's here. So um, I got quite good at sharing my faith with those guys. And we used to sit down in between lectures. They used to gather round the table, and begin the assault um, on my faith. And, uh, and that's what it was, really. They were trying to break me down, but I used to get a few good nuggets in there, a few little seeds were sown. And some of those guys, I'm confident, will have gone on to have become Christians. I never saw it, but I trust God. And I know that those seeds you sow can go on to have great power, and people's lives will be changed. So how do we connect with and share our faith with people who are far away from God but open? Because there's quite a lot of those, and there's more than ever at the moment. Um, so the first thing is to sow a seed into their life. Okay? It might be an encouragement. It might be something as simple as, I'm praying for you. And with my friend Tom, that's what it was. It was literally an arm around the shoulder. His wife had had a miscarriage, and it was extremely distressed about it. And I'd been through that myself with Lucy, and I just put my arm around him, and I said, this is quite out of the ordinary. We don't touch each other particularly at work, and I said, you know what, I know how you feel, and I'm going to pray for you. And he just went, thanks, with a tear in his eye. And that was the breakthrough, because that's all it took, actually, because he was heartbroken. So sometimes that's all it takes. It does take a little bit of courage. You have to be a little bit less shy, maybe, um, and just go, God, I'm going to try this. (laughs) And it will be instinctive. Okay, just do what comes naturally. It may require you to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. Say something you don't normally say. If they don't know you're a Christian, particularly, it might come across as a little bit weird. There'll be more questions. But that's okay, because then you've got the ball rolling. Sometimes God wants to do a miracle with people like this. Um, It's really exciting when he does. If they've got an illness or an injury, pray about it. Ask God, do you want to heal them? Ask God, do you have something you want to say to them? You know, Jesus said um, he did what he saw the Father doing, and he said what he heard the Father saying. So he would walk around, and he would go, are you doing that, Father? Okay, bring that blind man over here. (laughs) And he'd heal the blind man, because he saw the Father doing it. And we've got to connect with God in that way every day. We've got to be on our knees going, God, what do you want me to do? And for me, that's in the car on the way to work. There is no time. So it's, that's my time with God. And sometimes I stop the car 
and I spend time alone with God and just pray. And that's where he meets with me and tells me stuff. So be aware of the supernatural and be bold. Open the door for the miracle. God won't let you down. I was reading recently, Shayan um, is a, a great Christian teacher and evangelist in Sacramento, California. Just started reading his book. Um, and he, he says sometimes um, when he opens his mouth and speaks to people about God, he gets completely rejected. And it's just, no, I'm not interested, thanks. So he just says, okay, that's fine. Turns to the other person, tells them. And they go, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> and he said, you know what? If I wasn't bold enough and brave enough to actually get rejected in the first place, nothing would happen. And we owe it to these guys to tell them. We really do. Um, I won't go into detail about him, but he's got some great stories. <laughs> the, um, the president of South Korea um, at that point was a Christian. I don't know if it's still the same one. Um, but all of the president of South Korea's kids are Christians because of Shayan and his wife, who just happened to get there, get invited in. And it's an amazing story, I'll tell you another day. So God does incredible things. So what about these ones? The ones who are um, thinking about becoming Christian, they're quite close to the idea of becoming Christian, they like the idea of being a Christian, they've seen you, and they think you've got something, but they've got loads of questions. So they're questioning, why? Why does God allow that? Why does this happen? Why does um, all this stuff happen in the world? And I don't understand it. You know what? The best thing you can do is live your life as a Christian for those kind of people. Let them see you live it. Let them see you be a Christian. Let them see the love that you have for God exude out of you and, and touch those around you. Let them see the fact that you obey rules that you've set for yourself and that God has set you because you care about God's heart. Not because it's in the Bible and it says here, I've got to do this, my, my, my little rule book. That just looks awful. <laughs> and that's not the heart behind it, is it? The heart behind it is, love me, live for me. And this is the best way for you to live. So follow these guidelines. Um, be a friend. Answer questions if you can. If you can't answer questions, be honest. I've, I've always been one to say, I don't know, actually. I'll find out for you tomorrow. And now we've got the internet. That's much easier. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, I'm not Bible trained, I'm not um, a scholar of the Bible, but I've managed to answer most questions. And sometimes I don't have the answer either, and no one does. It's a case of, that's one you just have to find out when you get to heaven. You know, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. So, you're being watched. Okay, so, you are the Bible most people read. You are the, um, the Christian they're looking at. So make sure that your life reflects his life, Jesus' life. And then you have a chance of getting through to these people. Some of them will have questions for years. And they insist on an answer for every question. And they work hard to get it. There's nothing you can do about that. But you're not here to have endless debates with people. Okay? And as an evangelist, I would say to you, don't get caught up in a debating society. Okay? It leads nowhere. Because they enjoy the debate not the result. Um, and, and my experience from hours of conversations at uni and afterwards with people who've got lots of questions, I've got sucked into debates, and I've ended up, we've gone round in circles time and time again, and we've ended up back where we started, and they've gone, thanks, see you again next week. And it's like, oh, that got nowhere. So tell them God loves them, and ask God for what he's got for that person. 
What about for those who have rejected God? Whether they've been a Christian and walked away from it and said, it's not real, it's all hype, I'm not doing it. Or whether they are people who are just angry or whatever it is, they've shut the door on God and said, no, not going there. These are the most difficult. These are um, not as common as they used to be, but there's a lot of people you will meet and a lot of people I know who are uh, this way inclined, (laughs) who you feel if you mentioned God, you'd almost get slapped for it. Do you know what I mean? Well, um, you need to find God's heart for them. That's the hardest part, actually, is to know that God loves them unconditionally and that he wants to restore them. He wants to restore their heart. He's in love with their heart. They just don't know it, or if they do, they're fighting because they're afraid of it and what it might mean. Maybe some of you here today feel that way. God loves to restore. You think of the prodigal son, that story where the son takes his half of the inheritance and then he runs, he goes. Effectively, what he's done is completely reject his father's way of life, his father, his family, everything. He's walked away. He's gone, not having anything to do with that. I'll have my money, thanks. Back pocket, I'm off. And you know what happens to him, that his life gets turned upside down, he loses all his money, and he comes home, hoping that maybe he could get to feed the pigs, because he didn't expect to be welcomed back after that. And what was the father's reaction? You know the story? The father ran to meet him and brought him back in. And he didn't just meet him. He waited for him. He was looking out the window looking for him. He was running to him, embraced him, and restored him. That is God's heart for these people. And these people can be in powerful positions or in humble positions. They can be anyone. Even the most cynical, anti-God, hardened criminal can come back. I've read the stories. There's a fascinating story about a guy called Graham Seed from Sunderland. I don't know if you've read that one. Yeah? Brilliant, isn't it? And just to see what the change in his life. He was almost dead on a park bench as an alcoholic. And some Christians just (laughs) took a risk, really, in sharing their message with him. And he chased them with the intention of beating them up. (laughs) But he couldn't catch them. And (laughs) it's a fascinating story. You must read it, Graham Seed. It's in the library. Yeah, he came back, and now he goes around preaching the gospel. They are classic candidates, actually. The ones who've completely sold out for the wrong things tend to be the ones that come back the easiest, in my experience, because they're not happy. So what are the barriers to us doing this? Hopefully, uh, it's going to come back. Lost it. Okay. Um, Oh, there we go. Barriers. First one is uh, we fear rejection. I don't know if you do. I do. Um, I've got my own rejection issues, we all do, that you carry from being a child when no one changes your nappy one day, whatever it is. It, it gets in wherever it can, doesn't it? <laughs> it's one of those little critters that um, it's always out to get you, that one. And if it gets you, it clings on a bit, and you have to deal with it when you're older. But um, I had those issues as well. I still fear rejection from some people. The reason I don't speak out most of the time is because of that. Um, because I think, oh, I don't think that's going to go down very well. You know, and I just leave it. We have to get over this, don't we? Second one would be a perceived lack of knowledge. Like I said, I'm not a Bible teacher. I think, what if they ask me about that? What if they ask me about you know, these issues in the world and I don't have an answer? What am I going to say? So you leave it. I'll just take the safe option and leave that one. 
Or you make a clever excuse like, I'll go and study my Bible and then, then do it. They never do. And then there's the other one, caught up in self. And this is usually um, as a result of sin or habits, um, things that um, really you should be dealing with, but you don't. So on a daily basis, you fail. And on a daily basis, you're constantly beating yourself up and going, oh, you know what? I've messed up again, straight from the off. As soon as I walk out the door, I sin. And I'm judging people, or I'm doing this, or I'm angry, or I'm whatever it may be. And you're constantly in that place of, oh, God must think I'm an idiot. And you're caught up in yourself. So how do we deal with it? Well, we'll come, back, come to that in a minute. Um, fear of rejection. We never know where people are in their journey. That's a fact. I didn't know that my friend Tom was that close, actually, that he'd actually prayed to God during the miscarriage. When it had been happening, he'd cried out to God, and he told me that. I had no idea. He never told a soul. That was between him and God. And the fact that I was brave enough to put an arm around him and say, I'm praying for you, was the opening of the door. So that's the kind of thing, the little thing that you can do. Um, You don't know where they are. Share when you can. God can use anything to increase his kingdom. Literally, it could be a good morning. (laughs) That may be all it takes. A little word of friendship, a little word of encouragement could be enough. Um, So be open to that. And don't be afraid. You know what? Jesus stands with you. He was rejected in the most appalling way. He knows exactly what you're feeling. But he didn't let it stop him. (laughs) And he says to you, don't let it stop you. If they reject you, they rejected me first. And boy, did they reject him. What about the lack of knowledge? Well, um, if you know Jesus this morning, if you're a Christian here, and you've given your heart to Jesus, and you know how exciting that is, and how, how great that new life is, you've got something to share. You've got a story about you. You don't need to start with Matthew chapter 1 and work your way through, although that may be a good thing to do one day. But... You need to start with, well, this is how it worked for me. And that's all it needs to be, really. It needs to be real. Your ideas and your beliefs actually matter. Even if people say to you, oh, well, I don't think you should say that in this day and age. (laughs) My beliefs and my, my ideas do matter. And so do yours. Express God's love for people rather than judging or criticizing. And beware of this. Okay, it's easy to criticize people and look for agreement from others. Um, and as Christians, people do this a lot. I've noticed people do this where they say, oh, so-and-so today, I saw this today. I saw a guy with a hoodie. He was walking along. And he was clearly on drugs. That's terrible, isn't it? And you look for agreement. And you get a little group together, and it becomes a little whinging group about the ills of society. Well, we're part of society too, guys. We're basically whinging against ourselves. Let's not just criticize and judge. Let's look at the hearts that God's in love with. At this point, Anne, you catch my eye here because that's what you do. You see the heart in those guys on death row and God honors you for that because no one else does. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? God cares about every single one. Okay, and caught up in yourself? Well, you need to get your heart right with God. Daily, minute by minute, okay? Um, Don't overuse God's grace. I speak to myself as well, okay? Um, When you sin, take it to God. Say, God did this. And get yourself right with God. Then you are ready. 
I've told you stories before of people on planes that have been about to crash who have been ready. I've told you stories of people who've been in disaster areas who've been ready. There are probably hundreds of others who weren't, who said nothing, did nothing. I saw a brilliant quote the other day on an email. Um, this guy was saying, when I was a child and I saw disasters on the news, because we've had that this week, um, where people have been killed and terrible things have happened, my mother always said to me, look for the helpers. There'll always be people trying to help. Isn't that great that his mother steered him to the people that were making a difference? Be like them. That's a fantastic thing to do. Starts with humility, this, and repentance. Humility is being able to say, my heart's not right. I'm going to have to deal with it. And being strong enough and disciplined enough to say, this is how I'm going to live. And put yourself to one side and look to others. I know that's not easy. So those are the ways that we um, can share Christ with these people. God wants to break through into their lives. And I believe that this morning he wants to break through into our lives as well. And in the worship I was, you know, I said I was aware of the angelic. There was stuff going on here this morning. There are people here this morning who, who don't know Jesus. You've come this morning with someone else, and everything I've been saying, you've been going, that sounds about right. And maybe you're thinking, um, I'd like to be like that. I'd like to experience that. Well, you can. Perhaps you noticed at the beginning in John 12 that Jesus said, those who reject me have a judge. He will judge one day, on the last day. Will you be ready? As I was walking in here this morning, God said to me, tell them how much they're worth. He wants you to know that your heart is so precious that he gave his son And he allowed him, as I said, to be rejected, to be tortured and crucified so that you would have a way. So that you would have a way to get back to God when all else was lost. Whoever you are and wherever you've been and whatever you've done, this morning that door is open. And if you want to go through it, the opportunity is going to be here. What was the cost? Your heart is priceless to God. That's why he gave the best he had. You're precious. And he loves you. Also, I'm aware that most of us are Christians. And that always, when I come on a Sunday morning, I'm aware that there's going to be at least 10% of us that need to start again. Because I live in the real world. And I know that quite often that's me. And quite often I have to bow my knee and say, I'm sorry, God, that I've behaved like that and I'm going to change. What happens tomorrow is up to you. It's your choices that determine the outcomes. But today, you have an opportunity to lay it on the line with God and say, okay, God, I'm sorry. Here I am. Give me a second chance. I want to turn the page and start again. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. I believe this picture um, sums it up for me. This morning, God gave me these three words. He said, redeemed. In other words, you've been paid for. Okay, that sacrifice that Jesus put in for you was your redemption. You've been restored. Those of you that are away from God right now, and you want to make that step this morning, step over the line and say, I'm starting again. You can be restored. And then for others, or all of us, 
Are we ready? And I believe God wants to activate us this morning. I believe he wants to do that. So can I ask you to stand up, please? Once you've been sat down quite a while. <laughs> if you can. <laughs> okay. And first of all, let's, um, I want to speak to those of you in that first group that I spoke to at the beginning. I said, you, you don't know Jesus. You came this morning and you want to know Jesus. Can we close our eyes, please? If you want to find out about Jesus and find out what life with him is really like, then I encourage you to say this prayer with me. Because saying this prayer is not the magic spell that makes you a Christian, but the heart behind it, as you say it, does. Because God knows your heart, and he knows you're going to say these words, and only say these words if you mean them. Because this is your opportunity this morning to get your name into the Lamb's Book of Life, to be saved from your past, and to start a new life with him. So let's all say this, so that no one's embarrassed. Jesus, I want you to come and live in my heart. I have lived my life for me. And I confess that I have done wrong. I ask you to forgive me. And let me make a new start today. I'm sorry for taking so long to come to you. Please come into my heart right now. And fill me with the Holy Spirit. And just in your heart, if you meant those words, I want you to say amen. For those of you that want to start again this morning, just stay on your feet, please, and let's keep our eyes closed. I don't want to embarrass anyone. I want people to have an opportunity. If you want to turn the page on what's been going on in your life, and you want your chains broken this morning, and you want to leave here with broken chains rather than being chained up. just encourage you just to raise one hand. And let's not look around, folks, because this is a moment of honesty before God. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, folks. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come to each one of these. And I pray that you will turn the page. I encourage you just to repeat these words, actually. Holy Spirit, please forgive me for all that I've been doing and help me to start again. Thank you for your love for me. I love you too, Jesus. Amen. Okay, you can put your hands down. Okay. Keep your eyes closed, please. Just one more. If you were in that first category and you prayed that prayer that you wanted to be saved, could you just put a hand in the air so I can see if there were any of you? Because I believe God told me there were going to be this morning. Okay, thank you. Well, let's open our eyes. Let's hold our hands out. And let's invite the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. (laughs) Holy Spirit, come. Sorry, you can repeat this if you like, if you want to. It's not compulsory. This is a choice, okay? 
Holy Spirit, come. Fill me with power. Clothe me with the Holy Spirit. And help me see your heart. And help me see others' hearts for the gold that they are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go. Go and do it. (laughs) Yeah.